What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelotone. You are listening to the final Quick Cage, um, at least in Cage's current filmography. Um, and Frank, we only have one movie left. You want to tell him what it is and um, what this movie is about? Because I actually have, still have no idea. Why are you trying to rush me? You know, trying to trying trying to savor the moment here. Yeah. Um, no, not really. Um, so after I don't know 18 months of delay we're finally going to talk about Captain Corelli's mandolin Um, I apologize for my voice I was actually pretty sick today so I've kind of a scratchy throat so I sound like I'm underwater or whatever but it's fine it's what this movie gets Um, 2001 romantic war film directed by John Madden um, it also stars Penelope Cruz, John Hurt, Christian Bale. Um, so it takes place during kind of the latter days of World War II. Um, the Italians have occupied Greece, and this platoon of Italians led by Captain Corelli, um, who's Nicolas Cage character, are sent to occupy this uh, like fishing village where Penelope Cruz's character lives. But the Italians are all dudes that have never fought in the war. Um, so they're all like gregarious and friendly. And um, at first, the villagers are really kind of standoffish with them because obviously it's an occupying military force. But eventually, um, the good nature of the Italians kind of wins them over and they sort of accept them into their life. Um, so after the Italian army surrenders, um, the Germans come in and um, start being like brutal with the Grecian people on this island. So the Italians help them fight back, but then most of the Italian soldiers get massacred by the Germans, um, except for Crowley, who gets himself shielded by one of his whatever, one of his men. Um, then there's an earthquake on the island, like later, and like a lot of the islands destroyed. So that's like the plot plot. But then like the other plot is Captain Crowley falling in love with the Penelope Cruz character, who's already engaged to the Christian Bale character, who's an illiterate um, heartthrob kind of. And Crowley is this guy who ironically plays a mandolin and has this choral group that he forms out of like his fellow soldiers. Um, so love blossoms, but then the illiterate dude who was away at war comes back, and then Penelope Cruz feels like she should be with him. Um, is Bale playing Greek? Uh, and nobody's playing anything they should be playing in this movie. Okay, <laughs> because I, I, I Penelope know, Cruz is playing Greek too. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I just know from... And John Hurt, for fuck's sake. Which I could imagine those two playing, like, possibly Italian. Maybe. Like, but I don't know. I just know I read about... um, I just read Ebert's review of this um, a little while ago and saw that he mentioned specifically about these like uh the fact that like there's no subtitles in this so people are just speaking different accents and yeah, it's, it's just, really off-putting right it's just english okay english with bad accents <laughs> except for every once in a while so it's it's the worst kind of like setting a movie in a foreign country thing which is where um they'll say some things in another language so like nicholas cage will be like a ciao bella you know but he's like never speaking italian any other time right um, at its core, this movie's like not a great movie. Like, it's not a bad movie either. It's just kind of mediocre. Um, the thing that I like the most about it. <coughs> oh my goodness. And the thing that was most surprising at the time was, um, how beautiful it looked. Like, it's really filmed really, really well. And it definitely captures, um, like the beauty of the, uh, the Grecian islands and the Mediterranean and, you know, just like the mountains and the trees and stuff. It's, um, it's a nice movie to look at. Um, and the acting is fine and it, it kind of anticlimactic because the only reason I didn't want to talk about it then was because we were talking about such bad movies and I had so many bad movies to talk about. And then it kind of just became a meme where it was like, well, I'm never going to talk about Captain Crowley's, but now here we are. Um, and ultimately, there ain't much to talk about. I mean, whatever. Like, it's a World War II movie. Um, so I, I derailed. It's pretty good in it. I derailed you. Like, where? How, how does this love triangle work out? Uh, illiterate dude thinks that if he saves Corelli's life, that Penelope Cruz will fall in love with him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> Um, selling that illness. <laughs> I'm sick, man. I know. I know. I'm just. Uh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bruce. It's been my whole life today. I wish I could make myself sneeze. Um, but she doesn't. So they kind of go their separate ways. And then after the earthquake, um, Corelli comes back to the island, and they get back together. And that's the end of the movie, showing that, like, I guess, like true love triumphs or whatever mm. with his mandolin yeah. that sounds really boring it's pretty boring and it's pretty long but it's really nice to look at the entire time like that's what I took the most away from it is how much I just enjoyed like kind of zoning out with what was happening in the movie and kind of watching it like a travel log almost um, well, I mean it's a fairly confident director I mean Madden so sure. I mean... look again this is middle-of-the-road, inoffensive, confidently directed enough where you can just, like, watch it and be fine with it. You know, it's not going to make you angry or anything. It's not... It's a very moderately restrained performance by Cage in the sense that, um... (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) It hadn't been coming out before. Now it's coming out. It's because you've been talking. Um, is that talking? Talking, loosen it up. <laughs> Run my fucking mouth all day. It didn't help then. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he doesn't go crazy. It's not overacted or anything. It's 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 just fine. It's completely competent, completely inoffensive. You know, it's watchable. So yeah, I would so never recommend that you watch it. But if you happen to get forced to see it, like you're not going to be super angry that you had to watch it. Was Wind Talkers also World War Two? Is that that war? Yeah, that's the war in the Pacific. Okay, so he did he did two World War Two movies back to back then, um, because yeah. Wind Talkers comes out right after this, um, and he does he seems to do that a lot actually. Now, if you really look at it, it's like I mean, National Treasure breaks up, but he does like Matchstick Men and Weatherman like like pretty close together. Um, like yeah, it's it's weird like how he like because he's doing those westerns next year and he's like doing two of them and it's like it's almost like he uh, gets obsessed like with certain things and like kind of takes a couple movies and then the weird thing is that whereas Magic Man is a good movie and Weatherman is a bad movie, um, I guess this is a good movie and Wind Talkers is like absolute trash. I really hated Wind Talkers a lot. Yeah. So what do you um? What do you rate this movie and um, and then Cage's performance in it? Well, you know, this is like a 6 out of 10. Okay. Like, it's not, definitely not nearly like any of the worst stuff he's ever done, but um, it's nothing you should go out of your way to see. Cage is whatever, same thing, 6 out of 10 in it. He's fine. Yeah. Maybe he's a little higher. Maybe he's like a 7.5 out of 10 because he really is trying to inject like a level of humanity and realism into this character. Mm-hmm. And it, it works. I mean, he's charismatic enough in the role that um you you like him and you want to see him and Penelope Cruz get together. She's the daughter of the doctor. John Hurt plays the village doctor or whatever. <coughs> Relevance. <laughs> All right. Well, um, last movie is highlighted. Congratulations, Frank. No, where's my uh? I need like fireworks or pyro right, or something. I know. Um, maybe I end up like goddamn great white stampeding <laughs> myself to death. Uh, maybe I can insert them in the post. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, you're done. You um, have watched every single Nick Cage movie um, yep. and talked about them. So quite, you're quite the quite the journey. It does. Uh, we started before a pandemic. Um, we're kind of finishing. Um... <laughs> finishing. I, went on a COVID. I know. I've. I was sitting here thinking the same thing with like, because <laughs> I just once as soon as I said pandemic, I was like, I didn't. I don't even think of you like for some reason like getting COVID. I don't know why, but I'm um... immune to everything except for life. <laughs> But yeah, you came through a pandemic with this whole thing. We're kind of like almost wrapping up, like close to an endemic phase. Like, I mean, it's um, it's it's something. Um, so this is the last one until Cage releases a new movie next year, I guess. Um, and then we'll which be- we're calling the continuous Cage as opposed to the quick Cage. Okay. We can do that. This is, this do you is want to renumber finale. them? Yeah, this is the finale of Seam at this point. Like, there's no, okay, there's no more quick cages. They're just something else entirely. I think. Yeah. Okay. It's like, uh-huh. 
It's like he's the hare and I'm the tortoise. And I finally caught that motherfucker. Uh-huh. He spent too much time doing blow. <laughs> so, of, like, I, I asked you a couple questions last week about Nick Cage. Um... Uh, I want to. I, I want the main event here to be you to finally tear these fucking movies, um, which we've talked about for a long time. I'm ready, but for um, but I asked you a bunch of questions last week, and I read about Cage. I think more than you, like just in terms oh. of his like personal life and yes. like all that. So I don't read about him at all. Yeah, um, I don't care. Cause I've been infected. My feed's been infected by cage. So like I, I end up getting lots of cage article recommendations. So I'm always, and I've always been more fascinated in the person more than his movies. I would say um, throughout like this entire thing. Do you think in terms of legacy that like the kind of like bizarre and erratic personal life that he lives will damage his acting legacy? Yeah. I think it's um I think it's almost like a like a freak show attraction, right? Like it makes you wanna like watch it. So if anything it draws people in to watch this stuff just to watch him be a weirdo, I think. Yeah. Do you think Because uh, I get the impression from reading interviews <laughs> I'm listening to you. That he um I, just, I I think it's funnier just to stop. Um <laughs> Um, that's it. Uh, I read. I don't think he appreciates that viewpoint, though. Like, I think he's actually bothered by it because I know he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily care for the memes on the internet. Um, he tries to play along with it some, but he thinks it distracts from the movies that he's doing to be like a meme. Um, so like while he tries to play along and all those kind of things, he's not a particularly big fan of it. I know I read like when he's doing Color Out of Space that um, there were some kind of memes going around with him during that time. And he thought it was, he was really upset because um, he thought it was distracting from a a really good movie that this director Cosmatos or whatever was doing at the time. And um, so. Cosmatos is Mandy color out of space. Oh, it it was Mandy then probably because I I know that was the director. So. um, Robert Stanley or Richard Stanley. Oh, right. Richard Stanley. Right. Yeah. Yeah. so, like, I agree with you. I think it's a freak show. It's like, I've been thinking a lot about this guy this week as I knew this was ending and, like, what I've taken away from this, like, more just from listening to, like, your, his performances that I haven't seen all of them and about, like, his personal life. I don't think he's self-aware enough to realize that he's the freak show, necessarily. I got an analogy for you. You ready? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Everybody laughs at Pagliacci. Pagliacci just wants to cry inside. But you know what? The motherfucker's still a clown. So no matter what he wants to like, I don't know. He's he's built his own. He's made this image of himself. You know what I mean? Like, you think he's done it like purposely though, or I mean, I don't know if he does anything purposefully. I I think. I think Nicolas Cage is one of the most sincere dudes like ever. Like I think he yeah. believes what he believes and he feels what he feels and he thinks that he's like on some kind of steady course and it's just from an outside perspective, he's just a fucking weirdo, you know? He makes really weird acting decisions and acts in some really bad movies. Yeah. 
Uh, he had <laughs> actually really great movies, you know? Sure. Like, he's done some really great roles in the past. Oh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear that come loose? I did. I, I heard it. I heard it loose enough. Oh, um, yeah, he comes across as, even when he's talking about his acting, he comes across as really sincere, and he comes across as, and it all sounds like a weirdo talking, right? Like, he, like, I, I don't, like, you know what he reminds me of? Like, he reminds me of, like, he's a stereotype. Like, he reminds me of, like, something like Tracy Jordan out of 30 Rock to some degree. Like, a guy who can be, like, and I know that's, like, you know, half Tracy Morgan, half exaggerated. But it's, like, this guy who's insightful, he has some talent to him, and he's just, like, this fucking insane weirdo. Um that's head is full of like weird shit. And sometimes he's doing it on purpose and sometimes he's not. And like, he thinks he's in on the joke, but he's not fully in on the joke. Um, so we've talked a little bit about this, but I really just quickly, cause I found an article that actually detailed what he did with his money. Like that, that led to the video on demand part of his career and kind of, right? Oh, oh, it's it's so much. Okay, so let's start with the vehicles. There's a private jet that I couldn't find the amount for, right? There's four yachts that he bought. One of the yachts had 12 master bedrooms and cost $20 million. He starts with $150 million, like around the time this spending spree takes place. He buys a Lamborghini that belongs to the Shah of Iran, and it was $450,000. Um. He buys that house that we have talked about previously that was owned by the serial killer and Madame Lori um, that Kathy Bates played in Coven. Um, that's for $3.5 million. He buys two castles, one in Bath um, and one in Germany. Um, one of them is like $7 million plus millions in renovations and the other was like $3 million. Um, I also found out that the reason he bought those castles is because they were possible locations of the grail because he became obsessed with the grail during national treasure. Um, he has 15 estate homes. Um, there's another, there was one of them that was another multi-million dollars in new Orleans. He has had a $10 million Malibu beach house, 17.5 million in Bel Air. Um, he had a home in the Bahamas, another mansion in Las Vegas. He had a, 24,000 square foot compound built in Rhode Island for 15.7 million. He had homes in Aspen, San Francisco, New York, Newport Beach, and Venice Beach. 30 motorcycles and 50 cars. Nine of them Rolls Royces. One, a $1 million Ferrari and Enzo, um, which was only 349 made ever. And then there's like all the other weird shit. Maybe not so much weird, but like so it's like action comics number one he spent $150,000 on he had shrunken pygmy heads that he spent $100,000 on he has the pyramid tombstone which we mentioned before he had a crocodile and a shark and an octopus at one point the octopus cost him $150,000 a dinosaur skull that he outbid Leo DiCaprio on for $300,000 so this guy just lost his damn mind and says later in life is like he thought real estate was a really good investment because he doesn't really believe in stocks and all those kind of things um and then <laughs> blamed his financial advisor for it 
um all like and like basically took like and, and is trying to like outlive like you know all these like purchases and stuff like that i saw one interview where he talks about like the octopus right and he says like people have all these like you know like all, all these rumors and stuff and all these misconceptions it's like what is like the, the the whole problem came from real estate and buying real estate because i was so into real estate at the time what's an octopus eighty dollars <laughs> This dude doesn't even know how much he spent on the octopus. Like he thinks that he spent like eighty dollars on the octopus. Um, well, the grand scheme of things, <laughs> right? I guess, right? Um, so I don't know what was going on at that point in his life, but um, something happened, and like something broke, like in Nicolas Cage. Sure. And do you think it's? Do you think it was the? He's not a Hollywood guy, you know, like he's he's not like the guy that like is big on the red carpets or is like, you know, he always seems like a little uncomfortable doing interviews sometimes. Like, do you think it's like the fame from National Treasures and stuff like that? Like in like uh, basically like the movies where he's making tons of money, right? Like the, those movies that are really massively popular. Do you think the fame got to him? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, he's compensating for something, right? So, right, like trying to fill some void inside himself with like purchases. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe he never feels like he can be home, so he, he has homes all over the place. He always has somewhere to go. That's yeah. his. Like no matter where he is, there's always somewhere or something. I don't know. The, the the last thing I want to bring up about him is his acting and stuff like that. Like I've told you a little bit before, and I know you don't read into him about his fucking nouveau shamanic like acting style that he like has come up with and created kind of but he's bringing it back from thousands of years ago apparently from african tribes i i I also don't think it's like there's this like lack of self-awareness i saw this like interview where he talks about how his father who was a literature professor and taught film and stuff like that like he claims as early as five years old he was watching movies like um Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu and um, what was it? Fellini's Juliet of the Spirits and stuff like that. And he was seeing a lot of like expressionism and stuff like that. And like those movies like would give him nightmares and everything. But like he really appreciated as he got older, the acting style in them. Um, And then like when he talks about like, you know, there's only one real interview I found after all this time that he talks about his acting style, that nouveau shamanic stuff, like where he talks, it's actually Coast Rider 2 that he talks about it, like during a a press interview. And he talks about how like he went out and got Onyx, like, you know, um, and he thought that like, he he didn't know if it actually, no, 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 right. (laughs) Right. slam yeah back, um back back to fuck up he gets this like onyx piece and like he just like it's supposed to have like vibrations and stuff like that and he's like i don't know if that's real or not but like you know i, I wanted to be a part of my character and he goes out and he gets all these like you know like little like you know voodoo type things and puts them all inside of his jacket like when he's on set and like is trying to get into the character and then like doesn't talk to the fellow actors to try to intimidate them and he's describing method so all he's doing is he's created a hybrid of what we know as method and expressionism. But he acts like it's something like new. And it's like, again, I just think there's like this weirdo, like pretentious kind of kind of lack of self-awareness where it's like. I, I, 
I don't think he really gets it. Like, you know, that like, like, I don't think he understands like things. <laughs> I think he's so far into his own head and his own imagination and his own feelings and stuff like that. Like he just doesn't get it. And the thing is, is like, it creates, I think really good performances sometimes. I mean, what does it matter? Like he doesn't, he doesn't care what you think. He's always going to have enough money. Even when he's broke to, um, I think that's the weird, I think that's the weird thing about him though, is I think he does really care what people think to some degree. Um, about his acting and nothing else. I don't think he cares what they think about his life. I think I think he really cares a lot from like reading interviews to this dude about what people think about his acting. Well, you can't tell by the performances he does. <laughs> oh. Right. Um. Yeah, he's a strange dude. I think I think he's captivating, and I think you're right. I think ultimately, like in the end, like his legacy will be helped by like the fact that he's kind of like this like oddball. Um. Because obviously, like it's uh, it led to a renaissance, I think of some sort, like and or will be soon, um, if it hasn't already. Um, so yeah, it's he's a fascinating dude. Like, I mean, I I make fun of him all the time and stuff like that, like on the podcast. But I mean, longevity, oh, longevity to him, like you know, I mean, <laughs> number of like amazing performances. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Handful. I don't really appreciate him. Yeah, as much as I've come to despise him at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I have more affection for him now that this is basically over um, than I probably did over the course of like the last year. But you have affection for him through not having to watch him. Yes, just hearing yes. descriptions of him. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. I got fucking Stockholm syndrome over here. So, <sighs> oh. along with the COVID, right? So, All you right. want to do these tier lists? You want to go F to S or other way around? Um, uh, I don't know. What do you think's best? I, I actually didn't consider that. Usually, when you do tier lists, you go through the list of whatever in order and rank it. But I already ranked it. Because right, yeah, yeah, you know, we're not trying to spend like I'm an a, hour I'm, going this. I'm gonna start it up and work my way up. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Worst, the worst, the best. So, so your F tier is the worst, absolute worst Nicholas Cage movies, right? Yeah, these are the ones that, um, and ironically, this is the largest tier. Hmm. Um, these are like irredeemable for the most part. Yeah, in my eyes, movies that I couldn't stand, had no interest in watching, and wouldn't hope to never watch again. Right. So in the F tier, you have The Cotton Club, Boy in Blue, Time to Kill, Honeymoon in Vegas, Snake Eyes, Sunny, Bangkok Dangerous, mm-hmm. Seeking Justice, Trespass, Stolen, Left Behind. All the Left Behind was really funny. Dying of the Light, The Runner, Pay the Ghost, USS Indianapolis, Vengeance, A Love Story, Inconceivable, Looking Glass, Humanity Bureau, A Score to Settle, Grand Isle, Prisoners of a Ghost Land, and Willie's Wonderland. There's your F tier. Jesus. So two two of his most recent movies are F tiers. Oh my god, yeah. Hmm. Willie's Wonderland is almost like a G tier or something. I don't even know. <laughs> I fucking hated that movie so much. Right. 
Okay. Um, so then on a slightly elevated level above the F tier is your D tier movies. These are movies where I still never want to watch them again, but whatever. Like I see some. This is stuff where maybe it made me laugh a lot, or like I would watch it again as a joke. Um, so you ready for D tier? Yep. D tier is Firebirds, Zandali, Amos and Andrew, Deadfall, Trapped in Paradise, Leaving Las Vegas, City of Angels, Eight Millimeter, Gone in Sixty Seconds, Wind Talkers. The Weatherman, Ghost Rider, Next, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Season of the Witch, Ghost Rider 2, Rage, Outcast, Arsenal, 211, which was fucking hilarious, Running with the Devil, Kill Chain, and Jiu-Jitsu. See, there's a couple of those in there. It's like um, Rage, I remember you really hating a lot. And then Jujitsu, yeah. I remember you really hating a lot. So I'm I'm fascinated that those were like D tiers as opposed to F tiers. When I thought about it, they didn't bring out any kind of like real negative emotions in me. So <laughs> right. They can be in the... All right. F tier couldn't be like 60 movies. That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so C tier are movies where... There's some element to them that I can find like some redemption to the movie in, but it's still probably not anything I'd ever want to watch again. Um, these are also some of these movies are movies that people like a lot, um, but that I'm not a big fan of. That's actually just one of the movies. Um, but whatever, like in deference to other people's feelings, I'll just put it in C. So C tier is Racing with the Moon, Birdie, Raising Arizona, Kiss of Death. Con Air, Face Off, Bringing Out the Dead, World Trade Center, National Treasure 2, Knowing, Dog Eat Dog, Snowden, Army of One, Between Worlds, and Primal. Between Worlds is a terrible movie, but I thought it was really funny. So, so uh, I, hold on, there's two movies there that I think, uh, I, I assume some people is me, um and the movie was raising arizona but uh, um face off is a movie that a lot of people like fucking love like too so there's actually two movies on that list i think you know, I these don't. people are wrong <laughs> like i didn't like racing with the moon but it looked really nice and the performances were okay mm-hmm. so c tier whatever okay um face off is a ridiculous movie oh it's it's not good and having to watch it so many times this year, as in like two, <laughs> too many. Oh, right, because uh, we had to do it for, right, all right, yeah, that's how I ended up watching it, right? Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name now. Yeah, hope he's doing well. His movie was decent. Yeah, yeah, I hope to, I hope to have him back. Yeah, why can't I remember that guy's name? That's really embarrassing. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Louisville filmmaker. Doug Peterbilt, that's what we'll call him. <laughs> if he ever comes back we'll call him now <laughs> you think that's right no so B tier movies that I genuinely enjoyed or found some um, value to but not good enough where it's something where I want to watch it like multiple times um, but if I had to watch it again I'd be okay with it uh, so Fast Times at Ridgemont High um, and that only is a B because he's in it for like 10 seconds, but we still talked about it at one point, so right. Um, Valley Girl, Peggy Sue Got Married, Vampire's Kiss, Guarding Tess, It Could Happen to You, The Rock, Family Man, 
Captain Crowley's Mandolin, National Treasure, Kick-Ass, Drive Angry, The Croods, On Frozen Ground, and Joe hmm. are the bigger movies. Um, so moving into the eighth year, the eighth year are I really I need to watch Joe. I need to watch Joe someday. I, it's been on a list for like forever, and you told me that it was good back then, but I still haven't. Yeah, watched. it's really good. It'll make you really uncomfortable, but um Nick Cage is fantastic in it. Yeah. It's one of those weird things, um, like another movie we're gonna talk about on this list where it's like you can tell that it was low budget, but then Nick Cage just like really bought into the character and like invested everything in it, mm-hmm. and it makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, so A tier movies are movies that are genuinely, to me, uh, movies of regard, like where it's something where I think that they're worth watching by a wide variety of people, and where his performance is such that um, it's captivating and fascinating without being like super goofy or off-putting. Um, so it's Rumblefish, Red Rock West, Matchstick Men, Lord of War. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, The Trust, and Mom and Dad are A-tier movies. <clears throat> and all of those are movies that I would definitely watch again, or I've seen multiple times anyway, um, and I enjoy quite a bit. Really? I don't remember Lord of War being like that positive of a review, really? Yeah, it was a good review. Yeah. I like them. Yeah, he's really good in it, and the movie itself is good. Maybe my own... Maybe my own bias, like in like what I imagine of that movie, is just is so ingrained in my head that like I can't even remember you saying good things about it. I thought I was going to hate it, but I really enjoyed it. Like I didn't want to watch mm-hmm. it at all, and then I watched it. I was like, oh my god, like, I really kind of like this movie's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Can you say that list just one more time, like the the major ones, like the the S tier or whatever? It's A tier. Oh, yeah, that's the A tier. Okay, yeah. okay. I was I was going to say okay. Say them again for me one more time. Rumblefish. Right. Red Rock West, uh-huh. Matchstick Men, Lord of War, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, right. The Trust, and Mom and Dad. Which one was The Trust again? The Trust is the one with him and the guy whose name I can never remember, whether it's Elijah Wood or the other one. It's it's um, it's, it's, um, it's got to be Elijah. Toby McGuire? Well, it's one of those two. But I'm yeah, pretty it's sure not, it's not Toby. It's Elijah Wood. It's not Toby McGuire. Um, Toby McGuire hasn't done a movie since Spider-Man Three. So. Where they're where they're police officers and they find out about this um yeah. vault that's got all this money in it and they cram yes. the way to rob. I, it. I remember that episode and like you being surprised <laughs> by how good it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah. I think about that movie sometimes. Yeah, I think about his performance in that movie because it's so unique to his um. It's actually more akin with one of the movies on the S tier list, like just how different he plays that character. Yeah. Um, so S tier movies to me are movies that are um, classics or movies that rank among my favorite, either recently or of all time. Um, great performance by him combined with a great film um, that's enduring, in my opinion. <coughs> <coughs> oh, fuck me. I can't wait to go to bed. Um, so your S-tier movies are Moonstruck, Wild at Heart, Adaptation, Mandy, The Color Out of Space, and Pig. Hmm. Now, there's a tier that's both above S-tier and below F-tier. This tier is the special tier. It's like the undefinable tier. Because the movie that exists in this tier is both 
tremendous and enjoyable and um, in some ways an immortal classic and also one of the biggest pieces of trash ever. And that movie is The Wicker Man. Um, the Neil Butte remake of the classic 70s called horror film. Um, I love The Wicker Man, but I also think The Wicker Man is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, with one of the most ridiculous tone-deaf performances ever. That could also be one of the most amazing, ironic performances ever, but you'll never know. So right. it's just its own. It's, it's, it's extra tier. Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> No, not the bees. No, not the bees. Um, all right. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I want do you have that saved in a note file or something somewhere. Like I do. Yeah, just send that to me at some point, like text to me or something. Um, because I'll go ahead and pull this list up one more goddamn time and note the tiers like in the final list and just keep it for posterity's sake so that when we start the continuous cage like you can go ahead and start like ranking like by tier at that point um oh so yep all right we're done you got coven we're finished the quick cage <laughs> i think i have a cold but it could be I, I, I think you have a cold too, probably. Uh, I think you'd probably be feeling a hell of a lot worse if, if it was COVID. I don't um, know. I'm 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 triple back, so maybe not. We might be able to fight it off. Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, so maybe. Um, they didn't make me go home from work today, so fuck them. <laughs> they let me leave. Right. You would think so. Um, I know, but they were just like, oh, ha, ha. so fuck it. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't want you to have COVID, but wouldn't it be crazy if, like, <laughs> you get COVID on the last episode of the Quick Cage after going through basically this whole thing's like basically the whole thing's through the pandemic? Because we started this in what January of of that year? Is that true? I think so. I think so. Um, pretty sure that's cool. Oh, no. Um, I can I can check very quickly. Um, oh, quick cage number one. Oh, knowing was the first episode of the quick cage. Uh -huh. February fourth of two thousand and twenty. So right before the pandemic. Yep. Yep. About a month before lockdowns. Six were we doing it every week then, or we didn't start every week, did we? We did. We were filming it. If you remember, we were recording it right after the primary podcast, and I was just releasing it slightly later in the week. So, yeah, that's what was happening. We were like, because Frozen Grounds number two, next is number three. Um, so yeah, you were you were coming. Man, that means at one point you came over to the house to just record a fucking quick cage, and that was it for next <laughs> um yeah what it is is we're just releasing them like two days later and recording them after yeah that's 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 the pattern here that's going on so um it's like a whole different time period whole different world um it really is yeah 
So while this is the end of the quick cage, we will be taking a break for the next couple of months, like until the end of the year um, and not doing any kind of supplemental podcast. The primary podcast will still be going. We are doing Frank's kind of second half of the year, fresh five this week um, on Friday, uh, week break. And then we continue, then we start our um, end of the year list. So we'll be covering 1971 at the end of November and then uh, best films of 1971. And then in December, 81, 91, 2001, throughout the month of December. And then we will be finishing up the year with um, the bonus episode that we normally do uh, every year. Usually it's a second watch of some, some kind. Last year was a first, well, second watch for me, first watch for you, actually like 10th watch for me and first watch for you. But, um, uh, but it doesn't matter. We're going to sit down because we've been talking about it for, I think, like six or seven months about Batman Returns. Um, so we're going, we figure it's a kind of like a Christmas movie, like it's set in the snow at least. Um, so we're going to, uh, for the very last episode of the year as our bonus episode, do a second watch of uh, Batman Returns, talk about it. Um, and then at that point, we'll give more details about the next supplemental podcast that we will be doing next year. Uh, that'll be weekly, midweek, uh, to give me an excuse to, um, to continue drinking midweek. That's what I'm here for. Yes. Excuses. <laughs> oh. Do you feel accomplished, Frank? That's what, I guess that's my last question. Like, like seriously, like not like jokey, like not like you know, like like this is something. This is an achievement. This is going to be around forever until basically I die, like and and stop paying for the the hosting. Mm. Hopefully, by then we're sponsored by someone and they just take it over. You're always trying to do that Silicon Valley shit where you like sell us out to somebody. Like I'm all about like like natural organic growth and like you know and like you're just looking for somebody to just like take us over i mean isn't that the ideal goal is to like have someone pay us money to do this well yeah but you would want to do that organically through advertising right I don't like give you a know because <laughs> then it's like you you have like some somebody like saying like you can't say that frank like and giving you notes on shit <laughs> Give me the fucking notes. What do you want me to say? I got you. Oh, old, old corporate Frank, <clears throat> capitalist Frank. What um, what works the easiest? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I I think it's quite an achievement. And um, thank you. I feel I feel accomplished. I'm not be fantastic. Yeah. I just can't speak because I'm drowning in my own phlegm right now. So, <laughs> right, because I have COVID. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I really appreciate everybody who's listening to this. And here's the thing: is like this is like grown in terms of like first day kind of downloads and listeners. This this thing has grown over time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This thing has grown over time, and I really, I really appreciate um, everyone that um, has been listening from the beginning. I appreciate all the feedback because there's some people that just listen to Quick Cage, like really, like a lot of times. I think um, 
And uh, we really appreciate that uh, through this endeavor. And um, yeah, not, I'm, I'm done with Nick Cage for a while. How, what do you want to say, Frank? Honestly, like, I kind of feel, I mean, similar, but I'm excited to see more of his movies. I'm looking forward to the, like, one where I really mark out because it's so good. Yeah. Where I feel like I felt when I watched, you know, Mandy or Color Out of Space or Pig or whatever. And not how I felt watching Prisoner of a Ghostland. Right. But that's like Russian roulette. You know, sometimes you get an empty chamber and sometimes he blows your brains out. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you rank the animated movies? No, they're whatever. I'm not ranking that shit. <laughs> I ranked the Cruise because the Cruise was that, that sounds episode. like a Chris opinion. Jesus. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm not ranking. We didn't. I didn't even like rank them within the context of that episode. We just talked about it. Okay. All right. I mean, whatever. Um, they're all B tier, like on average. <laughs> okay, on average, right? Okay, that's fine. The Air Bully's kind of trash, and G-Force is kind of trash, and the other ones are fine, so B tier. All right. All right. Well, there. Now your tier list is complete. Um, Actually, I would put Spider-Verse in A tier, and I would put Crude's 2 in B tier. Where would Crude, the first Crude's go? B tier. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's not too bad, then. It's like a B tier, a D tier, an F tier, an uh, an S tier and an F and, and then another F tier like in the past um, two years. So, mm. all right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I'm going to go let Frank uh, get some sleep here. Um, we're going to load up on meds and crash. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for um, taking a bullet for everybody, Frank. And what I'm here for, buddy. Thank you right. for listening. See you on the regular podcast. Yeah. Take care. Peace.